Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. It's just such a wonderful name, and there's such great power in it. And it's so good to sing it. It's good to sing it when you're in trouble. I've often said that I've sung uh, just Jesus loves me in, in times of trouble. Just where, wherever and whenever. And I taught it, my, our children to sing it. And, and it's so good to sing about the name of Jesus. It helps us rem- remember things. It's good to sing his name. It's good to speak his name. There's such great power to be loosed there. And one of the, the great elements of his name that we often don't talk about, we talk about the power to heal, right? We spoke about that this morning. We talk about the power, like, sort of unleashed, if I can say it that way. But primarily for things. But we don't often recognize the power of relationship. And in that relationship that Jesus has with us, There's a great power that he longs to leash and to have us believe. And that's his power to protect us. Throughout the whole word of God, every time he shows up, really wasn't that the underlying theme? Wasn't it the power to keep us, to protect us from harm? Isn't that really why he, God the Father, sent his son Jesus in the first place? So that we would keep out of harm's way and have heaven open to us. So we could live in this glorious place that we don't talk about very often. Because we're not really sure about it. We talk about negative things. We talk about the devil. We talk about the things of this earth that trouble us. We don't talk much about heaven. We're not really sure. When we look at pictures of heaven, uh, we think, my, my. um, It's beyond what we can sometimes grasp or put in words. And... I was reading something the other day, and it was written, it was a, somebody's, they were passing away, and they had been a great strength, and he'd never been a, a, an actual minister minister, but he ministered within the church. He was a church elder, and he didn't like how he, how memorials went. He didn't like them. didn't like sermons at funerals and stuff like that. So he recorded his own so that it would be done correctly. <laughs> how he saw fit. And, and so what he did is he asked a bunch of questions so that he would provoke people. What do you think about this? And what do you think about that? What do you think about this? And he went down a whole list of line uh, things and, and that uh, he wanted them to think about because heaven was such a great place. And soon we would all go there, some sooner than others, but eventually we would go there. And he wanted it to be glorious and he wanted it to be faith-filled and he wanted it to be encouraging and joy-filled. And one of the questions he asked was this. And he was talking about, you don't think God is really very big and big enough to solve your issues and things like that. And that's why you go around worried. And we heard Pastor Neil pray about worry this morning. And he said, think about this. How big was that clam that made that one pearl for the gate? (laughs) I can tell you I had never had that thought ever in my life before. (laughs) And I thought, well, that was a thinker. That man was a thinker. How big a clam would it take to make that one big pearl? And I I was, for the rest of the day, kind of, that's so interesting. But we don't think very often about the bigness of God in his protection. And I've often mentioned that even if we watch like Hollywood movies or any of the hero movies from ever they were made, even in books, that are written about great, you know, there's always a protagonist and antagonist. And always, you know, the protagonist just slides through at the very end and somehow manages to win and defeat the enemy. And so this creeps in, and we, well, truthfully, it's in our heart. That's why it's there. And it's, and it's in a lot of hearts. It just comes out that way. Do we really believe God can protect us? Do we really believe he can keep us from the evil one? Many people pray the Lord's Prayer every day to keep him from evil, but obviously they don't believe that either. Right, Pastor Jason? Uh, They're not believing that prayer. They've talked themselves out of it. They've said it so many times. Will he really keep us from evil? 
can he really protect us from whatever the issue of the day is? Whatever the current issue is. Can he keep us from the evil morals of society? Can he keep us from disease? Can he keep us? It's a good question. The bottom underneath foundation is the problem is we don't hear enough about his protection. If we did, we'd have faith. Because faith comes by hearing. It might have been there. The teaching may have been present, probably was. But it wasn't heard. If it was heard, we'd have the results of that hearing. So when we approach the thought of the wonderful name of Jesus as a strong tower, we're going to run in. We don't know how, but we will. I'm not sure how you run into a name, but how does the name run into us? I don't know. This one I do know. When you believe that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and you begin to grasp the best way you can that you're in him, then you're in his name. And, I, and that's not to oversimplify it. It's just how it is. Amen? So are you ready to hear a little bit more about God's wonderful protection? Amen, because it will help us. It will help us all, amen? Let's look at the book of Exodus. It's always good to start somewhere near the beginning. We could go through many, many, many scriptures and show you this, but we'll take this part. We'll start here. We'll see how it goes, amen? Probably this is a sermon that uh, our friend in the States, Keith Moore, what does he say? He preaches it for six months and afterwards for the next four, and, and he refers back to it. So it may go that way. You may hear other pastors bring this up and talk about it. Why? So you can come to faith about what? Protection. Good. All right. We're in Exodus chapter 12. <coughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Exodus chapter 12. I'm starting somewhere in the middle and going through here and there. I'm going to pick and choose and pick it out and pull it out. And amen. You're going to follow along. You're going to read the whole chapters when you go home because you like to read the book of Exodus. It will help you believe God. Amen. I'm actually starting at verse 12. I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. It's a warning about what's going to happen on their exit from Egypt. We're about to exit some things here. And in our exiting, we're going to have to leave some stuff behind. Yes, the things of this world will leave behind, but we'll take their gold. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. See, the joy is rising already. It says, I'll smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. People freak out about this because in the Old Testament, people died. They were on the wrong side of the thing. But I'm going to show you, they, they could have had another choice. Well, they did. They had several choices, but they rejected them. Against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see, everybody say, I see. I see. God's looking. He's looking. He's watching. He sees everything we do, good and bad. Everybody says, oh, he's watching you. You better not do bad. But he's also watching you do well. Nice worship today. I really like the way you sang. Wasn't that nice the way you sang to me? He saw. When I see. He's watching. Wouldn't you watch over your children? Not just when they're sleeping? Come on. I'll pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. They had been very bad. Against God's children. And he's promising deliverance. In the middle of this, people start to freak out. Well, what about the bad guys? Well, you were just, um, you know, two minutes ago freaking out about the bad guys who were controlling you. And God starts to deal with them and you freak out. We should do some thinking about that pearl. Amen? Further down in the same chapter, verse 48, it says, And when a stranger, I love this part. It's so good. Oh, my goodness. Shall sojourn with thee and will keep the Passover to the Lord and let all his males be circumcised. That part, not so good. Then he'll come near and keep it. Good morning, everybody. That's why I read fast. Look at this. Now, this is King James. He shall be as one that is born in the land. So he's going to be grafted in. 
If he'll just come under the blood, he'll be as one. If he just comes under the blood, if he'll just come in, if he'll just come in, he'll be under the blood. So we can know that we then become part of God's family. This is the grafting in. It talks about in, in uh, Romans chapter 13. Also, when we become in Galatians, where it says we become under and adopted, when we get adopted into his family. We're coming in through the blood of Jesus. Now, they put the blood on the door, correct? Who is the door? Jesus. Jesus. It's not complicated here. Overcomplicate things is bad. So we understand Jesus is the door, the blood's at the door, and that's how we enter. So this is a picture in the Old Testament, but it has relativity to the new. Now we know this. When you come to the cross, you don't just come to the cross, and we've talked about this, we don't just come to the door and drop there. We go through the door. That's what doors are for. And so if the stranger comes in, any person, so we didn't have to be born Jew or Israelite at that time. We don't have to be born in that household to have the blood work for us. And we know when the blood works for us, we don't just stand under the door sill. No one would do that when they're entering a room. No one shall enter. You enter, you go through the door, right? You don't just stand at the door sill. It would get crowded very quickly. And the, well, the blood's at the door still. I'm going to just stand here where the blood is. Help me, Jesus. You go, you enter in through it. It probably, you know, so you go through, just go through. Get grafted in. When you get grafted, you'll be as one of his. Now, because God is big, enough to make a big pearl, because he's big, he can do whatever he said. He's able to then protect, right? He was able to keep them so that when everything went bad across the land, everybody that walked through the door was preserved. Ta-da! Wasn't that wonderful? It's so good. Next chapter, 13, verse 14. And it shall be when your son asks in the time to come, what's this? You shall say unto them, by the strength, by the strength the Lord brought us through. By his strength, by his hand, he delivered us. By his hand, he brought us through. By his hand, by his hand. That's what you're going to say. There's coming a time very quickly and we're going to go, I don't know how this happened. We've been saying it since the beginning of this last issue. We've been saying, oh, you know, we know it's coming to an end. It's coming to an end. People aren't going to be fooled forever. People aren't going to be, you know, walking around going, you know, uh, this, this thing's going to get me. Not going to get me. I was quite uh, disturbed the other day. Can I say that? Are you going to be all right if I tell you sometimes I get upset? You know what? I, I bleed just like anybody else. As a matter of fact, I gave myself a paper cut and bled real bad just the other day. And uh, I, I was, I was kind of upset. They were talking about numbers, and they kept saying Siri, 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 Siri. And I was like, I was starting to get agitated. And and I look at Fraser Valley, Fraser Health, where we are. It's like 1.8 million people, but includes a lot more than Surrey. And when I pulled up the map of where the outbreaks were, and it, it, they were spread all over. There was two small ones in Surrey, but they were mostly on the outside of Surrey, on the Tri-City areas, what we call it, Abbotsford, Langley, Burnaby, still in Burnaby. And so they were all around. And so when you looked at the numbers of actual uh, active cases, at that point now, there's like 2,400 active cases in Fraser Health, and 1.8 million people. The chances of you meeting one, there's an accountant here, so I'm going to come close, but I won't be exact. So just praise the Lord. Be about 1 in 800 of you meeting them. So if you really aren't meeting 800 people every day or every other day, you're probably okay. Sometimes fear gets the weirdest number. At the beginning of the service, I talked about little lies that creep in. And then I began to think, what's the deal with Surrey? What's the deal? 
because at first I was agitated. Everybody know, hear me? When you get agitated, you don't hear right. It's the truth. All you hear is the irritation, and you can't hear God. If you allow it, and you stew it, and you think about it longer, the irritation grows. Probably like a weed, it grows faster than your flowers. You know what I'm saying? One day, you see a leaf of a weed. The next day, it's like this dandelion's up, and it's almost seeding, right? Bad things grow quickly. Uh, your meditation on it, I, you know, they have no strength, but they grow quick. So I was getting irritated, more irritated, and I thought, I've got to settle myself because I cannot hear the Lord <laughs> this way. Finally settled myself, and I thought, I know what this is. We have said from the beginning that we're, that God is, that Syria is the city of salvation, that we have known for some time that God was going to do something here. Well, the latest chat was, well, perhaps we're going to think about regions, and we might open churches here, and we might open churches here, but where there's the worst, we maybe will hold them closed a while longer. And I thought, praise Jesus, I'm going to get through this. <laughs> and I thought, no, you're not. Mm -mm -mm -mm. God has a plan for this city. And he knows the stuff we don't even want to know. He's big, and he makes big pearls. <laughs> and we don't got to worry about that little stuff. As long as that's the concern, we don't hear his voice. And if we do, we're hearing the other, we'll be unsettled. If I could tell you how many phone calls, messages, and whatnot of people upset and upsettled, unsettled. And most of it is in the unseen. They perceive words of fear and things like that. And it's time we perceive these kinds of things. You go through the door and he, he by his own hand, he delivered you. And not just once. I can tell you every time people call out, God shows up, even when they've been crazy and bad. Every time. Every time. I, I am just blessed. It is great mercy. I think, you know, I, I look at the, oh, all through the book of Judges. If you ever want to think God doesn't help people, every, they, and then for a time they obeyed God. They obeyed God and it went well. The guy dies and the next one comes along. And what happens in the next chapter, and you can go through this chapter after chapter after chapter in the book of Judges, they all started doing their own thing. And when they were doing their own thing, they got themselves in trouble. And then they realized in their distress, it uses that word many, many times. It's probably the chapter that's got it in the most. And in their distress, other than Psalms, uh, and in their distress, they cried unto the Lord. God sends a deliverer. They get delivered every time. They hang on for, you know, sometimes two years, sometimes a little longer. And then the next generation comes along, and they do their own thing. They get in trouble. They call out to God, and in their distress, he delivers them every single time. Different, And it's, it's faith building on the one side and kind of disappointing on the other. And that's when I realized a couple of weeks ago that word about generation that, that uh, moved on my heart when we were bringing the word about every generation's got to rise up. We don't have to wait for things to go crazy to rise up and do right. We never had to do that. We never had to hit bottom. We never had to let pride break us and cause our face to go in the dirt ten times before we got up and realized our face was dirty. We could do it the first time. We could obey the first time. It would be good. We could have faith the first time. As long as we didn't go home and undo it five more times over or pray until faith leaves. Praise Jesus. It's encouraging today. Amen. Let's go to uh, Exodus chapter 3. There's something about that protection that's so, so good. We're still in the book of Exodus. It's a wonderful book. Here's something interesting. That's all interesting, but it's all fun too. Verse 2 says, The angel of the Lord, which would scare most people, and today if an angel really showed up, uh, yeah, people would probably still pass out. Maybe they'd fall on their knees. Wouldn't be a bad thing. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked. I'm sure he did. I mean, come on. That bush is burning, and I didn't light it. Did you light it? Looking around for someone else. Has anybody got a flame here? 
somebody hiding a lighter. They didn't have lighters then. Maybe it was really hot and dry. The truth is we do that. Our reasoning kicks in. Logic wants to analyze that bush not burning to death, bless the Lord. How come the leaves aren't black? How come it's still green in there? It doesn't look like it's burning, but it's burning. Hey, Joe, what do you think? Could we get a second opinion here? Pretty normal, but sometimes these things happen. And, and I can tell you, I've seen miracles, and I've checked with my own eyes. You understand what I mean? The first time I saw someone's eyes open, and they had come for prayer, and they had, like, white eyeballs. There was no, like, there was no eye on their eye, if that makes sense. No pupil. It looked kind of weird, to be honest. I mean, and they come up, and they look at you with their, you know, somebody led them. And, and I plunked my hands in them. Amen, be healed. And they kind of did this. And, and about the third or fourth time they did this, there were, there were pupils there. And, and I looked. And I looked again. And I looked to Doreen. <laughs> like, did, did you see what I see? Because we're looking for confirmation on the earth, right? Come on, we're human. So then I asked him, what do you see? Because I think that's the logical thing to say. <laughs> and he says, you. <laughs> now, he had been born blind. And uh, we were in Africa. And I think God's got a sense of humor. Because we're off in the bushes. And the first thing God shows him is a white woman. It's kind of funny. It, no. But the miracle is I watched because we watch miracles. Because our eyes are still trying to go, did that really happen? It's cool, but we want to make sure. And I watched him play with the grass with his hands and move it with his feet. And he'd close his eyes and open them again, see if it still worked, you know. He, if he was born that way. And the first time he ever saw all the things, all the things that he touched his life. And now he could see, I mean, my God, my God. So here's a flame of fire. Never seen anything like that before. And, and there's an angel there. Hallelujah. And behold, the bush burnt with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses says, I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. See, he's like, he's looking and he's asking. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, here I am. You see, it's not just the miracle. He's looking, but he knew that there was something more. There was something more that God had in his mind. Not just look at this. And many times we hear about what we believe God is going to do in our land. And we're looking for that bush. We're looking for flames. We're looking for something that confirms that God is who he said he was or is. We're looking. We're examining. We're seeing to say if what he says is true. And so when our eyes kind of still can't sort it out, I believe there was a different kind of turning here. There was a turning into his heart where he says, I got to, there's something more. There's something more. And I believe it's so much like that when we get born again and our eyes first come open to the truth about God. And you know you've seen some things. You may have even heard some things. There's a miracle here. There's a miracle here. Your brain doesn't sort it out. You're still trying to figure out the science that goes behind it. But something inside tells you there's more to this. There's more to this. And it's not just about the miracle. 
It's about the heart. There was something God was trying to reach inside. And he knew just how to open it. God knows just how to open our hearts. And it doesn't take an issue, although it's kind of interesting that way. He certainly got Elijah's attention with, a, you know, there he was hiding in a cave, but he knew how to get to him. You know, the earthquake, it was something. The winds, that was something. It was something. He'd been fed already by a crow. And all those things are something to look at and to examine. How is it that a bird brings you like something that's good that you should eat? I've seen how birds feed their young. They chew it first, bring it up. I mean, and the bird fed Elijah. And I'm like, I don't know. See, I, I think, but not about the great big pearl. And uh, you know, not before, but I have now. <laughs> and, and I think about these things. I'm thinking, God's so good. And Elijah apparently ate it because he stayed alive. God knew how. It wasn't all the things, even though the things were great and those provisions were great. And God will help you. And God does really wonderful things. And he'll fix your body and he'll fix your brains and he'll fix these things and he'll, he'll get you money when you're stuck. And all those things, they're great. But Moses turned aside to see something else. And then God spoke to him, gave him a vision, a plan for his life and a purpose. And there was great something that happened. You see, every time we'll see fire show up in the word of God, fire does what? Puts light in the thing. Puts light. Lights an opportunity to see something that was previously in the dark. I'll say it again. Light is an opportunity to see something that was previously in the dark. It awakens us up. You ever notice that? You've ever been sleeping and somebody comes in and they flick on the lights and you kind of go, whoa, I was seeing something really good while I was sleeping. Could we just go back to that? <laughs> lights an opportunity, lights an opportunity. Fire brought the light, an opportunity for Moses to see that there was something more. There was something more. Later on in the book, of Exodus where they're departing and now they're on the other side and they're being led. What happens? They get what? The cloud by day and the, the fire was there when it was dark. So the light was an opportunity to see where they were going even when darkness was everywhere. We are living in an age where there is darkness everywhere and it seems that darkness is very strong. It seems that way. It seems that darkness had some sort of power. We get worried about pornography and things that are on TV and people doing bad things and people teaching wrong things and, and uh, potatoes that don't know what sex they are. <laughs> Mr. Potato Head, they, they, oh. It's just potato heads. Although I bought some fries before Christmas, I don't think that was the same thing. It seems that darkness has power. It seems that way. But light's always been there. There's always an opportunity to see. Always. 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 John chapter 1. You should write this down. Underline it in your Bibles. So they, oh, well, I don't know. I got so afraid. I didn't know where to go. You have Jesus. You have his blood. You went through the door. You're on the other side. He is the resurrection and the life. Oh, my. He's not just the door. Yes, he is a door to get to heaven, but he's not just the door. John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life. He is the resurrection and the life. And the life was the life. of him. Of men. Oh, interesting. It was the light of men. God has always made a way for you to see. Always made a way. He gives you an opportunity. Light is an opportunity for you to see and to come into understanding. 
When Moses turned and looked and saw God, God talked to him. He revealed himself. I am the Lord is what he said to him. I'm him. I am. That's where it comes from. He revealed himself. He showed himself. When you walk through the door and you come into the light of God, there's a revealing of the great I am in you. Understanding comes. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. That fire that was always there. Why do you think God led them by fire? So they could see where they were going and not get hurt. Do you think that God's different now? There's crazy things happening everywhere, Pastor. Yeah, there is. And that was different. We should be really glad we live today. You think pornography is something new? Do you think alcoholism is something new? Noah had a problem. Addiction is no thing that has just appeared suddenly on the earth. Been there. Prostitution, been there. These are not new things. People hurting children, not a new thing. What happened? The light came and showed us. But if we don't stay long enough to have understanding that's come by the light, we won't know what to do with what we see. Interesting. Interesting. So it says the light was for men. The light shone in the darkness, and darkness doesn't get it. I want to talk to you about this specifically because in our time, there's this pressure right now for people to make apologies, feel that they need to somehow justify their decision that they've received or their word that they've received from heaven. And what do I mean by that? There you are. You're walking light. You're happy. You're happy. You're not deceived by the current situation. You're happy. You're blessed. And something comes along and goes, nope. That's not right. I don't think churches should meet. I don't like churches. Well, you don't go. You go to the bar. Go to the bar. I'm going to justify why I love God and go to church. I love Jesus. You need to get saved. Maybe then you'll know why we do what we do. Don't try to explain what we do at church to people who don't go. Doesn't make sense. Try to read and understand the book of Revelation to someone who never even said yes to Jesus and got born again. Doesn't make sense. But we're going to talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse to someone who doesn't even say they love Jesus. Come on. Don't justify yourself. The darkness wouldn't get it anyway. You spend a lot of time and a lot of your effort. Maybe you be up all night trying to explain yourself to somebody who will never see. They have not come to the light yet. So don't bother trying to justify your position. This is why I believe what I believe. And, da, 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 da. and you know, we better get the science out. We better wave around the, the things we've got from the doctor's office. Maybe then they'll believe. No, they won't. Believers don't come by circumstance. They don't come. They don't get saved because of that. You didn't. You came because something happened. Conviction happened about a Savior going to the cross, dying for you, giving us life when you didn't deserve it. That's how we come. When we go, my word, I am a sinner. I need to be saved. I need to be washed. I got to get this junk out of my life. That's why you get saved. But we don't talk about conviction much because people get upset because we justify it. Make it feel nice. You're not going to feel nice when you're convicted. That's what conviction is. You feel awful. It's okay. You'll feel better in the morning. Take two aspirin, go home, sleep a while. Maybe conviction will pass. No, it'll just go deeper. You'll feel worse. And then you get mad and yell at everybody who's a Christian. Think you're right. You're not right. You believed a lie somewhere. Maybe you believed you'd done some things that are too wrong for God to ever forgive you. Ever. But they don't get saved reading about the four apocalypse or the four horsemen. They don't get saved there. One particular lady, I said, you know, somewhere she heard somebody say, go read the book of John. Now, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody who wasn't saved, but she heard that. 
I think it came through Billy Graham, but that's what he recommends you read after you get born again. But she thought she would. And she says, as she was reading, she was saying, God, help me understand what I'm reading. She prayed then. She knew she needed help. She was willing to admit that. And she said, as she was going through the book of John, it's like every place that said, I am. Something happened to her heart inside. And she realized God was who he was and that he was big and he could help. And that was the help she needed. And when it came to the part, and she sees that Jesus is going to the cross for her, she began to weep. I mean, there was no one there. She was just reading about what Jesus did at the cross for her, the, the price he paid. She wasn't five years old either. She was in her 40s. God reached her heart. She cried out, and the Lord gloriously saved her. And somehow in there, all the things she'd read in her life started to make sense. Because she came into the light. When she was living in the darkness, she didn't get it. She didn't get it. Let's not try to justify why we believe what we believe to someone who doesn't believe in the first place. Amen? The darkness doesn't get it. But there's power here in that light. That God has provided. So he provided the way. He provided the light. With the light comes understanding. And we begin to come to the place where we say, my word. He protects us. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. Now, if you've ever heard Pastor Ann preach, he's going to bring up Jeremiah 29, 11, Because God's got a good plan for you. And he knows it ahead of time. And he straightened it out. And we hear that. And we go, yes, that's right, Pastor Ann. But did it ever sink in that he's going to help you get there? All the things, all the things. And he says, so there was a man sent from God whose name was John. We're in verse 6 of John chapter 1. The same came for a witness to what? To bear witness of the light. You see, and that's what we're called to do. We're like, hey, bear witness. How do you bear witness to something? Well, you certainly, if you, and there's a message we recently posted up on our Facebook page about Pastor Neil with a, a basket on his head. That that's not how you bear witness. You bear witness by allowing what God has put in you where it's changed your life to shine to others. There's an understanding. People know when you get it and when you don't. People know when you're lying. They may not say so, but they know. People know. They know. So when we're bearing witness of light, when we're bearing witness of that, it shows. People will know. They'll know. Yeah, that person really believes or understands what they're saying. I maybe don't, but they believe it. They'll hear that. They'll hear that. There was a, a, another time when I was in Africa, and I prayed for this lady, and she had struggled to get to these meetings. And, and she was so tiny and so sick with cancer. And in Africa, they don't, they don't have the science we have. They don't have the understanding of how to deal with the human body. If they did, and they do get medicine, sometimes they do, it's too expensive, and they couldn't afford it anyway. Her only hope was Jesus. So her family struggled. They get to this meeting. It was in 2009. And she was right at the end. They said, you know, the cancer just everywhere. She was so frail. And they managed to get her in every meeting there for four, four of the five meetings in that particular city. I met her again in 2016. Mm -hmm. I hardly recognized her. Because she wasn't skinny anymore. <laughs> you know, cancer makes you all look nasty. Happy, alive, full of Jesus, totally healed. And sometimes our eyes go, I don't understand that. My natural eyes, they look at that and they try to reason it out. But there she was. Wonderful. Because of that testimony... When we went into this, it was in an Anglican church. Many people came from miles. They, they moved the church. They moved it to a, dig, a bigger place because they had a great huge lawn there. So people came and they gathered on the lawn. The, they jammed as many people into that meeting as they could. And, and, and then they said, even though they'd never believed it before, they never believed, they never believed. They never believed. They had looked with their eyes, though, when something was happening, and they saw that, that something was different, and they turned in to see whether something different might happen to them. And so they came, and they flooded the place. It took a very long time, but every one of them wanted hands laid individually on their heads. And the very first person was the archbishop. 
said, would you please pray for me first? I've suffered since a young man. And so we prayed for them all. Praise the Lord. It took several hours, but we prayed for them all. God moved so very powerfully. They, there was something about it. They believed that only God could protect them from evil. They believed it. They believed it. We have to bear witness of what God has done in our life. That all men through him might believe. He was not the light. We're not the light. But was sent to bear witness. That was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him. The world didn't know it. They didn't know him. They don't now. This is why we've got to come to a place where we embrace the name of Jesus. Where we begin to embrace the power and embrace that fire that that light could shine in us. God's always got a fire that would purify us. And many times when people talk about the fire today and, and uh, we believe in for the fire of God. Wow, the fire of God, the fire of God. And we don't understand that it's his divine protection and it's his divine way of opening our eyes to see and understand. Now, the thing about light is this and fire is that it always shows where the darkness is. It, it draws the line. And if someone doesn't want to come into the light, it's not so good for them. And sometimes they look at light and they get angry because it didn't happen for them. And it's amazing how the fire of God draws a line to this side and that side. We love it. We're like, yes, the fire. I'll see. I'll know. I'll have this deeper thing go on. Oh, praise Jesus. And we get excited. I get excited. And the people who stand on the outside and look in, remember the darkness doesn't get it? They don't get it. And they feel that the fire will burn them in the wrong way. And what that looks like is this. I won't get to do what I want. If I go that way, I'll lose who I am. And that fire on their side looks like it touches all the places where I call a touch me not. And they got a list of them. I might not be able to think that way. I don't really like my neighbor, but I know, see, they know that if they go that way, they're going to have to start loving people they don't want to. They're going to have to change how they live. They won't be able to live for themselves. And so they look at the light and the fire of God as something hurtful and painful when it's the thing that will bring them understanding. Because God and understanding don't come till you come to the light. You come to the light, understanding come after. So they have to be bold to cross over. Praise the Lord, amen. He said, he came not in his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, that's verse 12. As many as received him, to them gave he authority power. Authority power. This is not that woohoo, which I like. This is like the authority power. So, so very important to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. So this is for us. As we come into that place and we accept that and we bear that light, we receive that authority power to change the things around us. But you see, if you go back, just we'll go back to where we started with the power and understanding and the light and the fire of God, all those things, the light and the understanding. If we don't believe God will really protect us, it's really hard to be a witness. If we don't really believe God will protect us, it's pretty hard to say what we believe he wants us to say. Now, he will speak through us with power. That's what it says. He'll give us authority, power to speak in his name. But it's pretty difficult if we're still uncertain about the other. If I step out now, will he take care of me? Absolutely. Now, here's a funny thing about people. If it's a, a very difficult situation, we'll believe it. He'll get me out of this mess. God's good at getting people out of messes. 
he, if I have to go out, like there was a time years ago, we used to do a lot of street ministry. We'd pray first, make sure we were going out under God's hand, all those kinds of things. One day we faced somebody and they were wanting to shoot one of the prostitutes. And there was a gun there. And at that moment, I thought, no, we prayed. God said, go, we'll be protected. Now that's a crazy situation. And yes, obviously I'm protected. I'm here. And I don't have any bullet shots or wounds or anything like that. And I never had any doubt at that moment he would protect us. But do I believe he'll protect us when things are good? Or am I still trying to fix it on my own then? It's okay. I've got this one, God. Thanks for getting me out of the mess. But right now, I'm this part I've got. What if he wanted to take you something even better? We think that protection only works when you're in trouble. Now, here's a funny thing. I, I, I tend to drive, I, not when I, like when I was younger. <laughs> After I got my third ticket when I was pregnant, I, I quit driving like that. It took three to get it, but I got it. And, and I've driven pretty reasonably ever since. And, and I, I'm not saying I drive like an old lady because I don't receive that. But I drive respectfully. And some of the lessons when I was taking driver training lessons still work in me today. When you're backing up, back up at walking speed. And like somehow that got imprinted inside. When you're in a parking lot, always keep your eyes out, look ahead of you. And, and at the same speed that you were in a parking lot, you, you go at walking speed. Because in case somebody doesn't see you, et cetera, et cetera. Those were things they taught us. Now, I was 16, and I still remember, so obviously it made quite an impression on my life. So on Friday, I was in a parking lot, and I was pulling out. I was doing what? Moving at walking speed. And, and I'd seen one car, and I waited for them to back out. And now I'm going ahead, and, and I'm always like looking, 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 looking. And inside, I hear, hit the gas. Now, I never hit the gas in my life in a parking lot. This is not something I do. Hit the gas without even another thought. I stuck my foot in the gas. Now, my car responds fairly quickly. And so I moved fairly quickly. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw someone I had not seen. And they must have missed my bumper by, by a hair and did not see me. I didn't have time to honk. But I thought, see, this was the protection of God. And, and I was so grateful that at this point in my life, it didn't take five times for him to tell me. I was like, this is the mercy of God. So for all of you thinking, you know what, will I ever get to the point of obeying? Yes. Yes, you will. Because if I can do it, anybody can. If God can work with this character that I am and get me to respond quickly, he can do it with you. Amen. Above habits. Outside of my natural ways, he spoke to me and protected me. Amen? God protects us. God protects us. We must not be afraid. Amen? Now, I'm going to get you to go into a funny book. It's near the back of your Bibles in the Old Testament. Zechariah, chapter 2. So I want to talk a little bit more about the fire of God and get you all excited and wrapped up and jumping around. No, I don't want to do that. But I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your God has a protection plan in place that will keep you. How many people ever pray Psalm 91? Why you do that? Protection. You pray not Psalm 91 for protection. Why? You believe it works. But don't pray yourself out of it. It's going to be our whole message today. Don't pray yourself out of faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. Don't you do it. Keep praying, not Psalm 91, but believe what you pray is working. You're praying that prayer because you believe that God is your protector. Do you believe it or not? Do you believe it'll just work in a disaster or do you believe it'll work every day? I wasn't in a disaster in the parking lot. I was in the middle of habit. And I had a coffee in my hand. (laughs) And it didn't spill, praise the Lord. Two bonuses. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Did you find Zechariah? Chapter 2. God gave me this the other day as a great, great promise. And I, got, I did get excited. That's the truth. And you might get excited when we get there. But I want you to know his love is so good. That's why. 
I, I think as a parent, the most difficult thing we ever face is when the day that we realize we cannot protect our own children. We can't. Not by our own strength. We protect them through believing God. You can't keep them from evil. I can't keep them from evil. I can't keep uh, sons and daughters of God that are in our spiritual midst. I can't keep them from evil. God can. God can, based on the faith that we have in his word. Can't do it. If I, oh, I'll just share one story while you're still looking at Zechariah and get you all set up for this, because it's good. It's good to be prepared. Met a lady. Her child still wasn't walking properly. Two years old, still had him in a playpen. Trying to protect him. Had another parent come to my house. We were making dinner, and I knew they were like seven, eight years old, and was there and joining us. They had to be somewhere, so I picked up their child from school, and they were joining us. We're all sitting down to eat, and I go, is there something wrong? I know you eat just about everything. I know that's your reputation. Well, it was a stew, and he couldn't eat stew unless I fed him. I said, you're like it was seven or eight, you know. What do you, wh 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 why, I, what if I make a mess? We'll clean it up, you know? I, I, I was shocked. That child would have sat there. I said, well, if you don't eat, feed yourself, you're not going to have any food. <laughs> I'm not doing it. They were like horrified. He was horrified. Feed yourself. Here's a spoon. Put it in your hand. Have a go at it. He had never done it. He was eight years old. Come on. Because the parent was trying to protect them. We can't do that. Oh, Jesus. Yes, there's still people trying to do that spiritually. You can't. You cannot. You can't protect them that way either. We believe God for people. But you cannot spoon feed other believers. You cannot. They have to learn to eat themselves. And they have to learn to spit out what's not God. Amen? It's like you spit out bones. Some things we eat spiritually. Some of you are eating some things you should not be eating. Turn it off. Read things that are the word of God. Stop eating the wrong thing. And you'll feel much better. Amen? Amen. I understand there's a pearl of great price that's hidden in the field, but that doesn't mean you eat the dirt. Amen? Dirt pies are for babies. That's what I made them, right? When you're little kids and you go outside and you make a mud pie and you eat it, don't, don't do it. It's not The grass and the rocks in there are not good for your teeth, not good for your tummy. Yeah, not good. Don't do it spiritually either, amen? Spit it out. Praise Jesus. How did we get there? We just did, amen? <laughs> we're, uh, aren't you glad? We're going to Zechariah now. Zechariah chapter 2. And everybody said, amen. If you're at home, say amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's so exciting. I'm going to start at verse 1. I lifted up my eyes again and looked. It's time to lift up our eyes Get them out of this place. I hear this so strong inside. It's time we are the leaders God called us to be. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, people want you as believers. And we've got to be leaders in righteousness. We've got to be leaders of, of demonstrating. We actually do believe this. That's part of the witness part. We actually do believe what we say. We actually do. We actually do. Lift up your eyes again. Get them off you. Get them off your neighbor for crying out loud. Come on. Amen. <laughs> Don't be looking there. Look there. Amen. Lift, lift up. Lift up. There you go. Praise the Lord. And I looked and behold a man with a measuring line in his hand. There's a measuring line right now because of the time we're in. We know it's like a timeline today. There's a timeline. And we understand that God is outside of time, that now is the time of salvation. But there's places that are measured in our life that are like timelines. And we said, okay, we understand we are here 
God wants to bring us over here. There's a measurement, amen? And so we don't get stuck in the world's measuring system. We're stuck in, well, not stuck, but we're in God's. And he's measuring in us good things. Amen? I said, where are you going? And he said, to measure Jerusalem, to see what the breadth thereof and what's the length. He's going to see what they're doing. He's going to see, you know, what they're carrying. When God's looking out and he's measuring his people, is he seeing how we've expanded is he seeing how we have grown have we seen that his word is coming alive and what's the breath of the word of God in your life how much have they understood how are they able to use that in their life what is the city of God which is the people of God what is the city of God doing today what are they doing how are they holding the word what's the measure What's the measure? We're all to come into the measure and the stature of Christ, right? That's the measure of today. And behold, the angel that talked with me went forth. See, even in times like that. Another angel went to meet him and said unto him, Run, speak this to the guy. Tell him this. Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. God has promised us a time where we would see so many saved. Multitudes. Multitudes. That was his promise. That's what he said. I believe it. I wouldn't just come up with something like that on my own. I don't think any other person would. I'm not looking for the word of revival. I believe in reformation. I believe in reformation of the heart of a people. I believe that in this time, we'll see that eyes open in new ways, like Moses, that he turned again to find the great I am, that there's a turning of hearts that's coming. And we're going to see multitudes that have waited because they've been longing for the truth. There'll be multitudes that will come out and say, you know what, I've had enough of this business. I've had enough. I want the real. I've had enough. I see there's something different. And we have to be the different. We have to. Well, we get to. We get to. Oh, it's coming. That's part of the irritation. Part of the dissettling. Some people, it's not all the devil. It's not all your flesh. When something's about to take place, there's a stirring. And because none of us have ever been in that place, I haven't been where a revival broke out, where I was in, or Reformation, or all of those things. I haven't been in that place where we've been a part of its initiation before. But it's going to happen here. It's going to happen here. And I know it like I know my name. Like when my husband calls my name, that's how much I know it. Like I know it like that. I'm not waiting for it. I'm in it already. I stepped in. I stepped in at the edge of it. Yes, it feels kind of weird because when you first step into the water, it feels weird. It doesn't feel normal till you get all the way in, but we're stepping in. And reformation of heart has never been dependent on issue or situation, or culture, or bad things, or good things. It's never been dependent on any of that. It's always been a response to faith. Always. I said, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about. And we will be the glory in the midst of her. A couple of weeks ago when we were worshiping and people are nervous about other people coming along and authorities shutting things down. But I knew we were protected. I knew. Inside, like, I knew my name, same thing. There are things that God wants you to know on the inside, like when someone calls your name. He wants you to know it like that. That's faith. 
He wants every one of you to be so assured that what he's promised, so assured that he's able to put a fire around you, protect you. You won't worry. We won't even have to talk about it. We won't have to talk about anxiety because he knows your name. He knows where you live. And when he calls your name, you know it's done. There's a settling in it. There's a glory that he says that fills it. It fills it. Not because we said so. Because we did what? We believed it. We believed it. Just so simple. I believe what God said through Jesus. When Jesus is talking to God in John 17. And he says, the glory that I promised, that you gave me. He's saying this to Father. Jesus says, the glory that you gave me, I give you. I'm going to give them so that we could be one as we're one. I don't believe for one moment Jesus lied. Not one. If he's always promised to show up and give a cloud of glory by day and fire by night so we'd never be in the dark, what makes us think we're in the dark now? Such a cloud of glory promised. And we jump around and feel kind of strange about it. But his glory is there. It's not far off. It begins when we say yes. It's always been there. And in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, we are children of the day. That's where the glory is cloud by day. We are children of the day. We are children of the day. We don't walk in darkness. That doesn't mean we'll never have the light come because the fire is all around us. We're protected. No worry, no shame. And when that glory begins to work like that as children of the day, we don't even have to say, you know, you shouldn't be sinning anymore because we've gone by that. We understand the forgiveness power in new ways because the light came. It gave us opportunity to see and to repent and we're going, oh, so grateful. So grateful. I've seen times where power moved and that's wonderful. I would never say that those things were not the hand of God. But he doesn't want them for a mere moment in our life. He wants this as a steady stream. That is what is taking place in the hearts of men and women. And we go there just by saying yes. Help us believe, oh God. For the dreams and the visions that have been sitting just underneath the surface. And some of you said, will I ever see what our good Lord has promised? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. You'll see it. And you can start seeing it whenever you're ready. Hallelujah. Don't move. Just Let's just rest for a moment. Wherever you are, just start saying yes to the Lord. That's right. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. You are the author. You wrote it. You wrote your faith on our hearts. You're the author of our confessions. You're writing it now. You're authoring your words right into our heart. And you complete your work. Father, I thank you. You're not just the author of your word into our life, but also the publisher of your light through us. I thank you for the fresh 
boldness that's coming on your people, those who were disappointed, that it just has no place anymore, that they're seeing the glory, that they're turning in like Moses turned in, that they turned in and they saw you, and the great I am began to be understood. I thank you, Father, that you unveil your promises to everyone watching today, that they hear your voice in new ways, that a revelation of your word would just come deeper in every person, that new confidence will arise, and a deeper trust of who you are. I thank you for your fire around them. I thank you that it surrounds and protects them at every moment. I thank you that they're stepping in to the wonderful place of settling by your spirit. And I thank you that the glory of God is rising upon your people. That the glory of God is rising. Wherever you are, thank him for it. Thank you for the glory of God rising, rising in the hearts Rising, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, let it rise, hallelujah. Let your glory be seen for this time that we would walk into it with a new hope, especially. Father, I thank you that hope is no longer deferred, but is strong and mighty and anchoring every soul that will trust in you. Oh, give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327. Or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139, 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3W, 3B1.